how y'all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is Fallen Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part four, and should be, at least for now, our final part on the Resident Evil series. Alex, how are you feeling about being in the homestretch? I'm feeling good. I'm excited about this part. Oh yes, this part's going to be good. For once, this is going to kind of end on a high note, as opposed to whenever we usually talk about Capcom games on here, where it's like, Mm -hmm. we have no idea where the story is going to go. This seems terrible. Or everyone died at the end. I mean, we still have no idea where it's going to go, but at least it's fun while it's doing it. Exactly. And, you know, there's some excitement about where they could possibly go. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, before we get started, Alex, uh, how how do you feel about mold? Mold, uh, not not really a fan. Not not a fan. Not a fan of black mold. Can't or... say no. Can't say I care for it very much. Yeah, well, g- good news then, uh, or bad news. We're going to be talking about a lot of mold today. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, it turns out that after Resident Evil got tired of zombies and then got tired of parasites, they decided, what about mold? about mold that's like i follow the logic but really (laughs) yeah you know it's an it's an interesting choice to go with and you're gonna be surprised by this alex they're going to have a a bad miss a bad understanding about what mold is and what it can do (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing about whatever the the bioterror is be it viruses or parasites or mold or anything is it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because by the end it's superpowers yeah pretty much and if anything it's just remarkable with how quickly you become superpowers in the next two games we're going to be talking about because i mean at least it took till resident evil 5 until wesker was like i put a virus in myself and now i can teleport (laughs) and he yeah, they at least waited a little bit with a that. A little bit. There was a ramp-up period. Yeah, it took at least, you know, four games, but not here. It's it's literally going to be, like, the first game we're going to be talking yeah. about. So look forward to that. Uh, speaking of, I guess we should talk a little bit about Resident Evil 7. Alex, have you ever played Resident Evil 7? I have played the demo, and mm. I have watched some parts of it. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. It is a game that has incredibly well received, I would say. Uh yeah. Has an eighty-six percent on Metacritic, but really the fan reaction to it, I think, is like far outstripped that. It is a game mm-hmm. that is considered by many to be a return to form for Resident yep. Evil. And for good reason. It's uh it is a game that is starts what is gonna be a soft reboot of the series. And what we mean by soft reboot, of course, is that all the crazy stuff in the past six games and spinoffs and all that, they totally happened. Mm-hmm. We're just going to ignore that. <laughs> yep. This is Resident Evil 7, but the 7 is hidden in the evil. <laughs> That's right. They did totally do that. Yep. Yeah, in a very, in the lead up to this game, in a very Kojima-esque sort of way, uh, Capcom was very coy about this not actually being a Resident Evil game. But... In, in a way that was very obvious that it was, but okay, It's extremely sure. obvious, but it was also very funny. It was very funny because they released a teaser, a first-person teaser called Kitchen, where <laughs> the seven was hidden in the tea. And, yeah. And everybody figured it out within the first few hours. They're like, oh, okay, so this is you 
Uh, the new Resident Evil is Resident it? Evil 7, huh? Yeah, I hope it's better than the last one. <laughs> yeah, so it was very, very funny that they did that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's honestly the most funny part, is that they wanted to be like, ooh, what is this? What could it be? And everyone was like, Resident Evil, make it good this time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, no, no one was talking about the mystery. Everyone was talking about, is this one going to be better? Is yeah. this one going to be good again? Everyone was like, "Listen, you're not doing anything new. You're either doing monster. You're either doing first person Monster Hunter, or you're doing first person Resident Evil. It's one or the yep. other." <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly what they did. Because after Resident Evil Six, a game that was uh, neither commercially nor critically successful, like it, it earned the money, but it definitely did not reach expectations for Capcom. Right. It was very clear that they had to scale back and kind of go back and do just something different. And what that difference was is that they were going to go back to the series roots, which is let's do something that's a little bit more small scale. Let's maybe involve some sort of house. And let's even go all the way back to kind of like the original vision for Resident Evil. Mm -hmm. If you remember back to our first part of this, we talked about how Shinji Mikami, uh, the original lead on the Resident Evil series, wanted to go with a first person sort of direction with this game back on right. the PlayStation. Now, that never quite happened because the entire team played Alone in the Dark and went, how about that instead? <laughs> but this time around, the people behind Resident Evil 7, the development team, said, well, why not revisit that and kind of check that out and see how that would work? Right. Make it a more immersive experience. So that's exactly what they did. And it's something that's going to work out incredibly well, I would say. Mm -hmm. This is a game that... Uh, they wanted to really emphasize the survival horror aspect of it. And I think they succeed 100% in that. And a large part is going to be because of that first-person angle. There's going to be a lot mm. of scenes where you're going to be tied up in chairs and bad things are going to be done to you. And it is going to be very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. So one of the successful horror games in, I think, the intervening period between Resident Evil 6 and 7... Um, certainly between five and seven was a first person horror game called outlast mm. um which is a horror game that involves a lot of running away from things because you have no way of fighting back mm -hmm. um and a, a lot of uh being stuck in a cutscene in which you are brutally mutilated mm -hmm. and uh it feels like they took a little bit of inspiration from that i would not but be then we're like w b but resident evil though but Resident Evil, yes. And yeah, I would not be shocked by that at all, because one of the earliest examples of like good use of VR, for instance, and mm, just right. a good direction for horror games is, yeah, you put that in that first-person perspective, and you take control away from the player and take right. agency away. And it turns out that's really scary. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I always also forget that Resident Evil 7 is like fully playable in VR mm -hmm. and is actually good in VR. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to get to that, but we might as well just jump into it right now. Uh, oh, yeah. Resident Evil 7 is going to be what launched it pretty well, it, the VR version of it launched exclusively on PlayStation VR. And it is maybe one of the best examples of what VR can do. Uh, very, the VR mode in that is incredibly well regarded in terms of like not only not making people motion sick. Mm hmm. But also in terms of just how immersive it does make the game. Because throughout the game, you're going to be chased by a whole bunch of real scary stuff. And it turns <laughs> out, being able to look over your shoulder is uh, very essential. And yep. 
yeah, it's it works incredibly well. It's incredibly, incredibly well. So uh, as part of also this uh, this uh, work towards scaling back to this, uh, going back to the roots and whatnot, is that the Capcom also decided to make some major changes with how they were even going to handle Resident Evil in the first place. Now, on top of like doing this as a soft reboot, uh, there's literally only going to be one character who's going to sh- from the original games who's going to even show up in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that they also decided to kind of switch up the writing team and narrative design as well. In a move that I find very interesting, they ended up going with a got somebody from uh, North America in order to be the writer and a narrative designer for this game. It won mm-hmm. Richard Piersley. Uh, now, Richard is the person who was one of the main writers and was the main narrative designer of Spec Ops The Line. Ah. A game that back in the day was very well regarded as far as uh, narrative in video games and immersive narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a game that is also known as for being a little on the nose with his messaging. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still very, very well regarded for something else released back in 2012. Yeah. And so they brought him on to basically helm up the, the lore and writing for Resident Evil 7. And Really, the tone in this game, and even the subsequent game right after this, uh, Resident Evil 8, it feels so much different from Resident Evil in a way that is incredibly, incredibly refreshing. Mm-hmm. And that bared out with the... And it seems like everyone else kind of agreed with that, because once again, upon release, uh, this game ended up reviewing incredibly well, 86% on Metacritic, uh, which includes uh, multiple 9, 9 out of 10s from... Different outlets such as PC Gamer, Polygon, and what have you. Uh, 10 out of 10 from Destructoid. Well, I uh, was nominated for quite a few different awards. Uh, yeah, won the very nebulous uh, Excellence Prize from Famitsu, which uh, I, don't, I don't know what that entails, but hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. And in general, it also sold incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, uh, Capcom had a... Uh, uh, expectation that was going to sell roughly about 4 million copies uh, and it ended up selling roughly about uh, 4 million copies uh, basically throughout the uh, first year of its release, the 2017. Uh, the game came out in March of 2017. Uh, by April it already sold three three and a half million copies. Wow. Yeah. So did incredibly well and uh, eventually rose to about 7 at about 8 million as of this writing. Uh, actually, no, I'm, I'm quite incorrect. It's actually sold over 10 million units. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, very successful game overall. Uh, One S also had a very long tail. Like, there was a lot of really mm-hmm. good word of mouth from this, like, uh, where it's just pretty consistently over the course of years, it's usually sold roughly about a million copies each year. Mm. Uh, and of course, now that it's being remastered and re-released for uh, current-gen consoles and whatnot, uh, I mm-hmm. only expect it to sell even more. So with all that, we probably should talk a little bit about the plot of Resident Evil 7. So Resident Evil 7 starts out with a new band of characters and just a, a new setting in general. Because now we're in the spookiest state in the United States, Louisiana. And it, God help us. God help us. As a person who's been to Louisiana many times, that is that has been a state I wanted to leave almost immediately. Yeah. Some for different reasons every time. Sometimes it's because I'm just mm. driving through it. Other times it's because I 
and very drunk in New Orleans. And it's like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. I will die. But we're going, we're going to the nice part of Louisiana, like New Orleans, right? Absolutely not. We are going to the bayou. Because it turns out, uh, the game starts with a message from this woman named Mia to her husband, Ethan. Talking about how she just can't wait to get home. She's so sick of doing this babysitting work she's having to do. And you know, it's just a nice little voice message that ends and immediately another one plays. This time with an incredibly distressed Bia who's like, hey, listen, I just want to let you know. Do not come looking for me. Things are bad. <laughs> hmm. Three years later, Ethan gets another message from her saying, hey, I'm down in Louisiana. You should come and visit. So yeah, three years later, Ethan decides, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to go down to Louisiana and find her. And so we cut to Ethan just driving through, oh, just random, like random roads in the bayou as he slowly drives up to this house that he finds in the middle of the, ta- in the, middle of the bayou. Upon walking in, he sees like there's like just rotting food everywhere in general, like the building's just like completely falling apart. He's like, huh, this seems dope. Why is Mia here? This seems really weird. And like, mm-hmm. he makes his way down to the basement and he finds just like a bunch of decomposing bodies. And he's like, Well, I guess I could leave and go call the cops. <laughs> but what if I just keep going? What if I kept going? Yeah. And that's what Ethan does. And eventually he finds a jail cell. And inside it, he finds Mia. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Mia, she's like very confused. She's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, you sent me a message telling me to come find you. She's like, no, I didn't. No, we need <sighs> to get out of here. Daddy's coming and we need uh-huh. to leave. And he's like, uh, daddy? <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, hey, just follow me. I know the way out. And he eventually gets to his living room and then she immediately freaks out. She's like, wait, there's supposed to be a door here. Like she's looking at the bookcase and there's like, there's no door. And she's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. She gets lightheaded and like has to sit on the couch. And Ethan's like, listen, babe, don't worry. I'm going to go find a way out. You just stay right here. So Ethan like finds gun during this time. He's like kind of walking Mm. around and trying to figure out what's going on. And after coming back to Mia, uh, she like, just like gets up and is like, Oh, Ethan, and you really shouldn't have come here. And then immediately just starts attacking him with a knife. <laughs> like she, and like in first person perspective, because obviously mm-hmm. Ethan's not wanting to shoot his wife. He's like trying right. to like guard against this knife with his hands and getting just cut up. Just getting, yep. and getting messed up. Like she's like super strong as well. And just throwing him around. Mm-hmm. And so eventually he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to start shooting you, I guess. <laughs> and like that doesn't really do a whole lot to her. Uh, but eventually he like gets knocked down, grabs a hatchet, just slams it into her neck and like seemingly kills her. He's like, ah, oh, okay. Mm. I guess I need to leave now. Just killed my wife. So I, I love the way this game starts because it's very different from like other resident evils or even games like silent Hill that has like, of this big initiating moment that dumps mm-hmm. you into things. Like it's a very slow, just sort of walking into the horror setting. Yeah. It takes a it's, good 10 to 15 minutes before this even happens. Yeah. And it's like, it is a, it, it is, it feel it is a very Western feeling setup. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly like, again, recent Western horror games and recent Western horror movies. Um, 
And, you know, given the things that you're told at the beginning and the way this sets up, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go into this house where something is clearly wrong and I'm going to I'm going to look for Mia. Hmm. And then you find her and you're like, oh, okay, so she's not dead, first of all. Like, okay, big win. Yeah. Um, But now I'm going to need to, like, protect her and guide her out of here or she's going to get kidnapped again or she's going to get killed in front of me or something. And then she just stands up and puts your ass through a wall. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this isn't going to go that way. No, it is not. This is going to be a more complicated problem. Yeah, real table-turning sort of situation. Like, you are not going to be protecting her. You need to protect yourself from her. Yep. And yeah, as as it turns out, uh, even though you kill her, uh, it isn't over. Because as you're wa- walking around, you just hear a chainsaw. And then just Mia shows up with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> and in a slightly confusing scene, cuts off uh, Ethan's hand and then just runs away. <laughs> So Ethan just, like, grabs his severed hand and is like, well, uh... Uh, I guess I'll hold on to this. I'll hold on to this. And, like, the next, like, bit of the game is literally you just running away from Mia as she occasionally shows up, chainsaw on tow, ready to mess you up. <laughs> like, eventually, like, Ethan, like, shoots, like, gets, like, some more ammo for his gun, shoots, uh, shoots Mia, like, a few more times and seemingly kills her for reals. Mm-hmm. And as he, like, looks over her body and whatnot, is like, man, this is kind of messed up. He, like, just hears, Welcome to the family, son! Turns around <laughs> and gets decked by this tall man with, like, balding hair and glasses. Like, kind of, like, gray skin. Real bayou mm-hmm. accent. And, like, as he's, like, on the ground, like, like all just, like, disoriented, immediately gets stomped on the face. <laughs> knocking him out. And so we just see scenes of him being clearly just dragged through the bayou towards uh, this lo- to this large house. And Ethan wakes up um, to this uh, strange woman who's stapling his arm back on. And it's just like, hey, listen, don't worry. I think, I think you might have what it takes to pull this off. And he's like, pull what off? I'm going to pass out again. <laughs> <laughs> and once Ethan wakes back up, he is tied to a chair. And we meet the Baker family as they are sitting around a table eating a bunch of rotting entrails. Now, the Baker family consists of the patriarch, Jack, a stompy McStomper man, his wife, Marguerite, uh, who's about in her 50s, son, Lucas, who is a man with a shaved head, uh, tall and skinny, uh, basically a guy who looks like he rides dirt bikes all day and mm-hmm. smokes, uh, smokes cigarettes, and daughter, Zoe who is the woman who stapled your, your hand back on, which is working now, by the way. Now, also present is an unnamed grandmother who's just kind of like passed out in the chair. Like she mm. occasionally wakes up and looks at you. It passes right back out. And, you know, during all this, uh, Jack's like, hey, yeah, you're a part of the family now, Ethan. Glad you're here. Anyways, you should eat that food. <laughs> and Ethan's like, the hell no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and so Jack's like, well, I guess I'm just going to just put it in your mouth then. Which Ethan does not like. Immediately spits it out. Marguerite freaks out. He's like, he's not eating it. He's not eating the food. And so Jack's like, oh, don't worry. I'm going to make sure he's going to eat the food. Grabs his knife. Cuts your mouth open. (laughs) First person view. Yep. And he's about to put the food in when all of a sudden the phone rings. 
Uh, and Lucas is like, ah, oh, it must have been that damn cops again. So call about all the missing people. Because it turns out there's a lot of missing people on the Baker residence. Uh-huh. And so they all... Wonder where they went. Wonder where they went. <laughs> and so they all leave. Uh, Ethan basically just, like, slams, like, slams his chair to the ground, breaks out of it, and is like, I need to figure out a way to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so Ethan makes his way to the front door, which is, like, all barred up and whatnot, and he finds that, yeah, there's a police officer there. And the officer's like, whoa, whoa, hey, how's it going? Uh, how, how you doing, sir? Are you the owner of this house? And Ethan's like, officer, you need to get me out of here. There's crazy people. They've been stabbing me. Uh, my wife is dead. Ah. And officer, the cop's like, uh, slow down. I, I don't know who you are. You seem kind of <laughs> crazy. You meet me in the garage, and we will talk this out. And Ethan's like, can, can you give me your gun? He's like, uh, no, but here's a knife. And see you in the garage. <laughs> So Ethan makes his way to the garage and like he runs to the cop and cop was like really angry with him. He's like, you got to tell me what the hell is going on here because this seems real spooky and weird. And Ethan's like, uh, you need to look behind you. He's like, and cop's like, I'm not going to look behind me. Just as a shovel goes through the side of his head, <laughs> cutting it yeah. in half. And it's good old Jack. And he's, he's standing right there. He's like, hey, hey Ethan, how's it going? Anyways, I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> and so you're basically fighting in this garage where you're just doing your best to avoid getting hit by a shovel while you use the cop's gun to basically plink at Jack, who is just completely invincible. Uh, mm -hmm. And it definitely becomes clear that Jack might as well be invincible because you find some keys, get into the car that's in there, and you basically just run into Jack a whole lot. Uh-huh. Which is really funny because like his body just flops around everywhere. And Jack likes just like, oh, you're just making me mad, Ethan. <laughs> and, and it's clear that he is just making him mad because eventually he just jumps on top of the car, rips the roof off, and it's like grabs the steering wheels. Like, it's like, oh, how about we go out together, Ethan? And like forces him to drive into a bunch of girders that just barely miss Ethan's head, but do smack right into Jack, seemingly killing him. See. This is the really great thing about Resident Evil 7, hmm. is it is like, it is, again, like a modern Western-style horror movie. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, something along the lines of Texas Chainsaw Massacre feels yeah. like a really big influence. Um, Hills Have Eyes, uh, things like that. But with those movies, like, there's always a sort of suspense of disbelief in that it's like, yeah, this is a really scary situation, but like you feel like if you were just if if someone was like smart enough and sneaky enough, they could get the upper hand in the situation. Whereas here these people just have superpowers and bullets don't hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's there's no getting the upper hand on Jack. Yeah. Which gives you the opportunity to do really fun things like ram him with a car five times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watch him flop around or, you know, other weirder stuff that we're going to be getting into as this game goes on. Yeah, they they have a lot of fun with the Bakers that way as well. Yeah, um, because it's like once you establish that they are like superhumanly invincible, yeah, drop a house on them, whatever. Yeah, that's do, cool. Yeah, just do whatever you want with them. Such as have the car explode and set Jack <laughs> on fire, who then gets up and says, Oh, you think that's gonna hurt me? 
Which, to be fair, it does eventually because the car explodes again. And this time, Jack is definitely dead. He is definitely, definitely dead. Definitely. Definitely. And so Ethan's like, well, guess we can't go out this way because the garage is now totally wrecked. So he can't just leave out, mm-hmm. out of there and just run into the bayou. And so he just goes back to the living room and he gets a call from Zoe. So Zoe's like, oh, yeah, you, you definitely have what it takes to pull this off. Listen, uh, you're going to need to meet me in my trailer we get, so we can figure out a plan to get out of here. And Ethan's like, okay, but first off, your dad's dead. I just want to let you know. And Zoe's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. he is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, meet me in my trailer. <laughs> so Ethan starts looking for a way out of the house, and he runs into Jack again, who's completely ah. regenerated. And um, and he's like, he's like, listen, you can't harm me. I got a gift from my daughter, and since I have this gift, there's no way you can harm me. And so now the next half of the game is you basically just trying to find a way out of this out of this house while jack is constantly pursuing you through it damn and like it's really good too because occasionally he'll just like bust through walls kool-aid man uh-huh. style yeah uh, and like do like all sorts of like really crazy things like if you like intentionally run away to like an earlier part he'll just like kind of just like wait wait around for a little while if <laughs> <laughs> like listen I, I know you got to come down this way and like all throughout this like the grandmother keeps showing up in weird spots as well just to keep an eye on you and you're like what like, what is your deal? <laughs> it's really great. Really great. So eventually, Ethan does find, like, a videotape of Mia uh, that, like, shows Mia, like, who's, like, running away from uh, Margarita. Like, it's mm. been, clearly it's meant to be for Ethan if he happens to find it. Uh, and it's also a videotape of after Mia died because she apologizes to Ethan. like, hey, listen, that wasn't me back there. I don't know what's controlling me. Something weird is going on. And, like, before she could, like, tell Ethan what's going on, you know, Margarita, like, shows up and drags her away. Mm. So, eventually, Ethan makes his way to the basement uh, after figuring out there might be a way out that way. And, of course, Jack follows him. And now he has a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> but good yeah, news. Yeah, that makes sense. Good news, though. There's a chainsaw in there, too. And so you have a cool-ass <laughs> chainsaw battle with him. <laughs> I love Capcom games so damn much. Yeah, it's really good how this game like starts out like a really grand, like we're bringing back to its roots and whatnot. Uh-huh. But the Capcom still comes through where it's like, yeah. Anyway, here's this chainsaw. Fight that chainsaw. Yeah, have a chainsaw sword battle, and that's exactly what you do. And like, basically, you you do so much damage to him that like he eventually starts to mutate, and you start cutting into the mutations in order to like harm him even more. Mm-hmm. Like, you cut his head in half at one point, and it just forms back up. It's like. Like, it's all completely messed up, but eventually he just mutates so much that Jack's upper half just explodes, just leaving some legs to just kind of walk around a little bit before collapsing. <laughs> and so Ethan's like, okay, I think, I think it's finally done. I think he's actually dead this time. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I hope. I need to leave. Maybe. I need to get out of here. Yeah, just go. Just go. So, turns out there's no way out of the basement. So... He ends up uh, getting back into the house, like, gets another call from Zoe. He's like, hey, listen, just to let you know, my family's been contaminated. Also, your wife Mia's been contaminated as well. We don't know what, we don't know what's going on, but I have figured out how to make a serum. I found some notes that told us how to make a serum that apparently can cure my family. And we have to do that because there's no possible way we can leave this place unless we do that. 
And like she doesn't explain exactly why they wouldn't be able to just run away, but mm-hmm. that's the conceit. So Ethan's like, okay, fine. Uh, I found a way out. I'll go meet you at your trailer. Now, before he can actually meet up with Zoe, though, he starts to get like attacked by bugs. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And he ends up running into Marguerite, who turns out can command bugs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She has like a little lantern that like summons them and whatnot, which uh, <laughs> ends up not working out well for her because she falls down a set of stairs and um, the uh, lantern like basically sets some oil on fire, which sets her on fire. And then she just melts into goop. Oh, unfortunate. Yeah. And Ethan's like, huh. All right. Anyways, uh, Ethan finds like um, some components and uh, uh, basically the recipe for the syrup, which, you know, he gets as like gets a call from Zoe. He's like, "Hey, great, glad you found that. You need one more component. When you find that, beat me in my trailer. Uh, you can find it in this barn." And so he goes to this barn, and Marguerite's back. She's like, "Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I now have incredibly long arms and can crawl around like a spider. Is that kind of freaky? I think that's kind of freaky." <laughs> yeah. And so Ethan like shoots her a whole bunch. Eventually, she just gets overwhelmed, like calcifies like literally turns to stone and then just falls apart and ethan's like oh god you have to be dead right you're dead please be dead <laughs> so ethan gets the final component for the, the serum and like he makes his way to the trailer to meet up with zoe but once he gets in there he unfortunately gets a phone call and it's from the son of the bakers lucas who is like completely unhinged at this point he's like Oh, hey, buddy, you want to play a game? If you play this game with me, I'll let you know where Zoe and Mia are. I've kidnapped them, by the way. I put them in my little death contraption thing. My little death maze. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have the final component for the serum, so if uh, you want to make that and take away our gift, you guess you're going to have to come and find us. So Ethan ends up having to do an incredibly weird scavenger hunt that he based, that uh, Lucas set up, which involves him like having to like reach into like the dead cop's body to pull out something looking in the mouth of a severed head, uh, all sorts of stuff like that, in order to find, like, different keys and clues to where they're at. And eventually, like, this leads to another barn that just happens to have, like, a bioweapon in it. Uh, it should be known that throughout the game, you are finding uh, these weird goop monsters. Uh, mm. Like, throughout the game, you don't see them, like, too, too often. This game's not that, like, heavy, like, combat-focused. Right. But uh, they clearly do want you to be using your ammo and just, like shooting at other things during the game. And this just happens to be one of the situations where, you know, Ethan runs into it, is able to fight him off. And once he fights him off, finds the final component and also finds out where Zoe and Mia are. Uh, they happen to be just like kind of trapped in a, trapped in this like little lab that's like hidden back in the barn. And turns out Mia's there as well. So they kind of get him out. Oh, well, Ethan gets him out. And uh, Zoe... Short, who has like kind of like short hair and whatnot, wears a tank top. Uh, she tells Ethan that we they need to get out of there because listen, my dad's on the way. He's gonna come and mess us up and prevent us from leaving. And Ethan's mm-hmm. like, I just saw his torso explode. There is absolutely no way we could do that. He could do this. She's like, all right, if you say so. Anyways, here's this little machine. We can create uh, two doses of the serum. We have just enough for that. Which is good, because, you know, we need two doses for us. Ethan like, gets both the doses, and then all of a sudden a giant hand just reaches through, grabs <laughs> Ethan, pulls him back into the barn, and it turns out, uh, yeah, uh, da- you know, Daddy Baker is now incredibly, incredibly large. He's a large oh. boy. 
okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. And he is absolutely impervious to damage, like even more so than before. That is until Ethan figures out, if I inject him with one of the cures, it's probably going to nullify his regenerative powers, mm-hmm. which is exactly what he does. And yeah, between that and a lot of bullets, eventually he calcifies and finally, finally dies, this time for real. So Ethan meets Zoe and Mia on the pier, and like just like next to like a little little boat that they were going to take and leave. And he's like, uh, hey, listen, bad news. Uh, kind of only have one cure. And so they're both very angry about this. Like, but what do you mean? <laughs> like, I, I kind of had to use one. You know, this just what I had to do. And so now Ethan has to make a choice uh, between Zoe and Mia. There's not really one that matters because canonically it's going to still end up having the same result in the end. But let's right. say he decides to cure Mia. So Zoe just gets incredibly upset about this. She's like, well, I guess it's just my fate to stay here. So you should just leave. Get out of here. You know, I'll just I'll just be here, I guess. And so Ethan and Mia get in the in a little little boat and just, you know, motor off into the bayou. And so Ethan's like, yeah, there's like no way I wasn't going to cure you. You're literally my wife. I came down here right. to find you. Yeah, kind of the obvious choice. But, <laughs> but yeah. also, OK, I don't understand the conceit of we can't leave until we're cured. Yeah, it's going to be explained way later why. Okay. It's, yeah, it's it's a little, at the moment, it's the, like Ethan doesn't question it at all, which is kind of silly. Yeah, it's like, why couldn't you just leave and go make more cure? Yeah, the answer is, well, we'll get to the true answer, but the narrative reason for the answer is this game, along with Resident Evil 8, has a really bad tendency of having characters who know information. Right. But refusing but to give it to the player character. Ah, one of my favorite tropes. Oh, it's really great. And it almost immediately starts when Ethan's like, hey, Mia, can you tell me what the hell's going on and why you're down here? And she's like, I can't remember. And he's like, maybe you should try. Maybe you should try (laughs) remembering. That would be good. Because I've just gotten stabbed by you a bunch of times, and I'm a little upset. (laughs) But before Mia can, like, answer anything... A bunch of weird mole te- tentacles come out of the bayou, slam into the boat, and like just completely knock uh, both of them into the water. We then cut to another part of the bayou where there's now just a like wrecked, like like a either like cruise ship or j- just some sort of large boat. It could be like a tanker mm-hmm. or something like that. Large boat. It is like broken in half. Is just sitting in the bayou for some reason. And we now start playing as Mia. Oh. Yeah, so Mia starts walking through the ship and, like, kind of, like, trying to find Ethan and whatnot. And she starts having, like, weird flashback visions of, like, you know, these weird gas mask workers looking very worried and running away from, like, mole tentacles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And she also comes upon a little girl ghost. There's a, there's a little ghost girl who's like, are you my mommy? She's like, uh, no. And then she tells me, but you promised we were going to be a family. And she's tired of waiting. And okay. So, and so Mia's like, well, I guess goes through her thing now. Great. <laughs> oh, here's another VHS tape. Let's just pop this in and see what's going on. And it turns out this is just another weird flashback to the cruise ship now intact. 
And Mia happens to be on board of it. And she's talking with this man named Alan, who's like injured. And he was supposed to keep this little girl confined, but he completely messed up and she escaped. This little girl's name is Evelyn. Now, it turns out this little girl is very, very special because she can vomit black mold and create weird bioweapons with it. And also she has oh. psychic powers. Oh. Yeah. And it turns out Mia was part of a crew that was doing experiments on her. <laughs> Whoops. Oopsies. Yeah. So Evelyn obviously was not happy about this, escaped, and was like, hey, listen, I, she just like really wants a family, and she wants Mia to be her new mom. Now, it also turns out that Evelyn's like deteriorating, and her mind powers are co- going completely out of control. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, this entire sequence ends with Alan dying and then Mia getting covered in black mold. And this turns out to infect her with the crazy, like, mind-controlling powers that she has. Uh, well, not mind-controlled. Uh, her mind can now be controlled by right. Evelyn. And also gives her, like, that resilience and super strength and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, realizing it's too late for her, before, like, she, like, completely succumbs, that she makes a recording that Ethan sees at the very beginning of the game, telling him, hey, listen, do not come down here. Do not come looking for me. This is bad mm-hmm. news. Yeah. And okay, then, yeah. Yeah. The whole entire scene ends with Evelyn covering the entire ship in mold and using her powers to rip the ship in pieces. So we come back to the present day, and Evelyn asks Mia, hey, can we be a family again? And Mia's like, no, we can never be a family. You are not my daughter. Okay, that seems harsh. It is. And Evelyn's like, well, I guess I have no need for you then, huh? <laughs> hmm. Anyways, mm. oh, your uh, daddy's here. Or he was supposed to be my, be my daddy. I guess if you're not going to be my mommy, you can't be my daddy. So I'm just going to go kill him. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> so, and we see like a, like a, a weird like a, a security cam footage of like Ethan basically covering a mold. Mm-hmm. And so Mia's like, oh, I need to figure out some way to save him. Now, before we go and get to this little rescue scene, we actually cut back to Ethan, who now wakes up in a room in the mansion, only to find him face-to-face with Jack Baker and Zoe. Now, Ethan's obviously not happy about this. He's like, oh, shit, now I need to get out of here. But Jack's like, hey, no, listen, hey, buddy, no, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. I'm not going to hurt you. I know I hurt you before. I'm not going mm-hmm. to now. I've been infected with weird mold, and it has made me and my family insane, and we think it's because of this weird girl that washed up on shore one day. Because it turned out there was this giant hurricane, they, like, they basically battened down the hatches at the, at the homestead, and mm-hmm. afterwards Jack went looking around, he found me and Evelyn. He's like, oh, Jesus, bring them in, you know, they're really hurt, we've got to take care of these mm-hmm. people. Unfortunately... Evelyn was like, well, I'm going to infect you all with mold, and I'll make you all my new family. Okay, sure. And then that led to uh, basically the entire family going completely insane. Mm -hmm. And so Jack explains all that. He's like, hey, listen, she's able to force me to do whatever I want. And and it's not even like she's forcing me to do things. She just gives me the urges to do bad things. You need to kill her to free my family. Please do this for me. Mm -hmm. So... Ethan's like, yeah, no, no problem. I'm going to do my best. I will figure this out. So Ethan then wakes up from his mold cocoon with Mia ripping <laughs> it off of him. Uh, Mia, it turns out, found like a serum sample of Evelyn's when she was on the ship and gives it to him. And he's like, hey, mm-hmm. listen, this might be the key to beating her. Uh, 
you need to use this to basically make something that's going to reverse uh, her powers and whatnot, the neurotoxins that she has. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't go with you because during this entire time, I've been reinfected with the mold. Ah, okay. So? So, sorry about that. I'm going to push you through this, uh, this door and close it behind you. And then I'm going to get basically just wrecked by, by Evelyn. See you later. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. So she's presumably dead. Mm-hmm. So as Ethan makes his way to the ship, he through the ship, he's trying to get back to the Baker property to find Evelyn and kill her. Uh, he also hears over the radio that apparently two special forces teams have like made their way to the property and are very clearly looking for the Baker family and Evelyn to murder the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also hears that Lucas escaped and went into the mines. There's apparently some mines there nearby. Sure. Yeah. Of course there are. Yeah, because apparently he's been sending encrypted messages to an unknown third party. And uh, the team's like, oh, yeah, we know who they're sending him to. We're not going to say it, though, because this is for downloadable content. Uh-huh. So Lucas, for now, is out of the story. So Ethan eventually makes his way back to the room where Mia had her original freakout. And it turns out there is a door in that bookcase. And so Ethan's like, okay, well, I guess that's there. I'll just go there, through there. And once he walks up the stairs, he runs into Evelyn. She's like, hey. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I was basically trolling all of Mia's actions before. Isn't that crazy? Anyways, wow. uh, you should come find me. Uh, so Ethan's like, all right, I guess I will. Oh, I should also point out that on the ship, he made the neurotoxin. He's like, he shows the tour. He's like, I'm going to use this on you. And she's like, mm-hmm. nope, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> so Ethan also is like, runs into like grandma's rocking chair as well. And that's like empty as well. So that's a little mysterious. Okay, sure. And, like, during a weird sequence that might be real or in his head, he has, like, constantly running into ghost, uh, uh, like, into, like, Evelyn and whatnot, who's, like, uh, like, kind of, like, like, blowing her away with, like, weird magic wind and whatnot. <laughs> but eventually, he's able to catch up to her and injects her with the serum. Uh, and then it re- flashes back to the present, and it reveals that the old woman was Evelyn all wrong. It turns out uh, because her body was deteriorating, she just aged super quickly. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's not the worst thing. And right before she presumably dies, she just asks why everyone hates her before melting into mold. And so Ethan's oh. like, ugh, it's done, finally, okay. Except this, we need to have a boss fight. Right. So a uh, giant Evelyn mold head comes out of the wall. <laughs> And it immediately breaks out of the house as a giant, like, mold monster with tentacle <laughs> arms. And so Ethan has to fight it in the in the uh, rising daylights outside. <laughs> and, like, he's, like, getting overwhelmed, but he's, like, gets thrown, like, a neutralizing gun by an unknown party. And, like, he's like, just, like, use it! He's like, alright, cool. Like, shoots her a bunch of times, and eventually she falls apart, starts to calcify, and finally dies. So Ethan's just on the ground, just absolutely messed up when a bunch of helicopters land. And a man in, like, full-on gas mask get up, like, tactical forces gear, like, walks up to Ethan, picks him up, takes off his mask, and is like, How you doing? My name's Redfield. (laughs) And Ethan's just like, What the fuck took you so long? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Fair question. Yeah. Fair question. So they all get on the chopper to take off, and it turns out they found Mia, and she's alive. Okay. Yeah. Neat. And as the chopper flies away, we see the logo on the side, 
is the umbrella logo except blue it's blue umbrella god oh my god freaking <sighs> <laughs> so that's how the game ends now there's a few other dlc uh sequences that happen after this the first is uh involving lucas uh you play as chris redfield who goes into a bunch of salt mines to more or less arrest and or murder the hell out of him Mm -hmm. Uh, which he succeeds to do like he basically gets trapped by lucas has like a weird like bomb strapped to him but that he neutralizes and just eventually just ends up murdering him so we learned from all this uh that lucas was working was infected with the alongside the entire baker family but an Mm -hmm. evil organization called connections managed to get in contact with lucas isolate him and actually cured him from evelyn's mind control while still keeping his mold powers now, he made them their head researcher into mold studies. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But eventually, he betrayed them and took their secrets for, for the mold themselves and was trying to sell them to an unknown third party. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Chris ends up murdering him. And this is also where we find out that the cargo ship that Evelyn was on and Emil was on was a connection ship. So, Ev- okay, yeah. Uh, Connections, by the way, is a crime syndicate syndicate that was specialized in bioweapons founded by a name, man named Brandon Bailey. Now, it's unknown if Brandon's alive or dead, but it's known that he helped form connections after having a falling out with his company in 1998. Hmm, what company is that? Oh, it might be a little company called Umbrella. Hmm. They couldn't help themselves, Alex. They, <laughs> they couldn't, couldn't help no. themselves. No, they could. of course they couldn't. <laughs> we have to tie this back to Umbrella somehow. <laughs> and in fact, I guess before we move on from this, we should explain what Blue Umbrella is. Blue Umbrella... <laughs> Is the reconstituted uh-huh. remains of Umbrella formed in 2007 by the U.S. government. Um, they basically specialize in cleaning up bioterror messes and, as of this writing, are not evil. <laughs> Wait until Resident Evil 9? I'm sure they will be by then. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm waiting for it. It's like... Yeah, you can't have Umbrella be out there and not be evil. I don't care how blue you make them. Right. But yeah, that's Resident Evil 7. A story that, eh, up until the DLCs anyways... It's a nice, compact, self-contained story that I think is very effective of what it's tried to do. Yeah. And it it reminds me of Resident Evil 4 in a lot of ways. Hmm. Of sort of like, you know, the formula has gotten very stale. Let's completely revamp it and shake it up and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But it's all it's also like to an extent of like, okay, well, narratively, Resident Evil is a horror story about bioterror. Hmm. So what's just do a bioterror? It doesn't have to be the T virus or the Plagas or you know whatever else. It can yeah, just, you know some biologically based horror thing that ramps up into giant tentacle monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just it could be something completely unrelated. Just you know, you just let the crazy escalate from there, and just allow yourself to do something new. Like not weighed down by the baggage, yeah. and yeah, it's yeah, it is indeed. I, I honestly think Resident Evil Eight's more of like Resident Evil Four, but now that you've like yes. pointed that out I, like this, yes, I, I I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, as a sort of soft series reboot, mm-hmm. Seven reminds me a lot of Four. Yeah, in terms of like structure and style and general tone, yes, absolutely. Eight is very very Four like, <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Yeah, I, I revisiting in the story again. Uh, I'm still very impressed with just how much restraint that they had. Once again, until the DLCs, 
as right. far as just like doing this kind of its own contained story like and like making characters that are very very memorable like i really like the baker family mm-hmm. i like ethan moth a lot like it's yeah. it's a game that just straight up works and it kind of makes sense like it keeps selling so well like it's 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 a game that i think is going to stand the test of time in many ways yeah um i also really like that ethan is like he simultaneously feels like the most indestructible resident evil character Mm -hmm. And that he gets, like, mutilated and put through walls a lot and just kind of keeps going. But he's also, like, the most incompetent Resident Evil character. Mm. Because whereas everyone else is, like, a super cop or a former Special Forces operative or got their PhD at 16 or something, Ethan (laughs) is, like, a dumbass. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even remember what his job canonically is, but it's not something that's like you would do, that would per, like give him the ability to like survive like Raccoon no. City or something like that. He's yeah. he's one of the characters who would die in Raccoon City five seconds after talking to Jill. Yeah, absolutely. He's just a dude, and now he's in this house full of weird mold people, mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, this seems bad. I should leave. Yeah. Yeah, his first thought is like, I need to get out of here, and he just can't. Yep. And he's like, Well, okay, I guess. And yeah, it should be noted that like as he gets like mutilated throughout this, like the way you heals, you basically get like basically healing water that you just pour on yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the least believable healing mechanism ever in video games. <laughs> Literally just pouring a bunch of hydroperoxide on you and hoping for the best. It's great. <laughs> and like his his escalation of plan is I need to leave. Okay, I can't leave. I have this gun. I'm going to shoot him. Mm-hmm. The bullets aren't working. I'm going to hit him with a car. Mm-hmm. Okay, that didn't work. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I got this chance. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've got no plan after car. If that doesn't work, like, immortal, basically. Yeah, it's like, car always works. If car don't work, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Uh, oh, Ethan is great. Ethan is great, and what's what's great about it is that it continues in Resident Evil Eight. Yes. <laughs> Which, speaking of, we should probably talk a little bit about Resident Evil Eight. So, yeah. buoyed by the success of Resident Evil Seven, uh, the team behind Resident Evil Eight, which apparently development pre-development started, I think just a, just a year before Resident Evil Seven was released. Like at first, they were thinking like, okay, maybe we should like do something else separate from that, but the Strong critical reception to the story of Resident Evil 7 caused them to make the decision of like, okay, we should just continue with that. We should continue with the characters in here and just kind of escalate from there. And, you know, I'd, I'd say that's pretty much the right right choice in, in this case. Yeah. Normally I'm like, you know, Capcom, please don't do useless sequels, but I kind of wanted to see more of these characters. Yeah, and no, I, I think they made the right call with this one. I totally think they did. And so... With that, they decided to, that they were going to do quite a... They're also going to go in more of a supernatural sort of element with this game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that's actually never really been explored in a Resident Evil series in any serious extent. Right. And what I mean by that is that everything from zombies to parasites to mold, it's an implausible explanation, but it has a scientific explanation behind all of this. Right. This is going to be the first game where... Maybe that isn't quite the case. <laughs> uh, 
Like in in most cases, they will say, "Oh yeah, there was a lab, and they fig- we figured out how to do this in a lab," mm-hmm. and like that's as far as the science goes. Yeah, is some science people scienced it, and now uh, this lady turns into bugs. Yep, yep. It just it just works that way somehow. <laughs> <laughs> science is magic and always evil in the Resident Evil yeah. series. <laughs> yeah, pretty. That's pretty much the theme. It pretty much is. Science is dark magic, and it will corrupt your mind. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe the first game where they're like, well, what if there's just not an explanation? Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I think that, that works out. Yeah. Uh, not, That's fine. Not that they're going to not try to explain some of this. But, right. But yeah, this... They're, uh, they're just not going to try as hard. They're not going to try as hard. So yeah, naturally, leading up to the release of Resident Evil 8, there was a lot of uh, a lot of anticipation, and of course, Capcom did a lot of teasers for this game. Mm-hmm. Teasers that I think they may or may not regret in hindsight, just more or less with how the story went, because a lot of it focused on a very, very tall, glamorous woman. <laughs> <laughs> One of the villains. There we go. Lady Demetrisk. Yes. It's actually pronounced multiple different ways in this game by multiple different uh, people, which is really great. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. But yes, um, yeah, Lady Demetresk is, uh, was featured heavily, heavily, heavily. In... And heavily, and I would say intentionally, purposefully. At first it wasn't. It was clearly like, well, this character's at the beginning parts of the game, right. so let's show him off. And then the internet went crazy, and Capcom went, we need to put her in everything. Yep. Focus, hone in on that. And you know what? Understandable? Understandable. Yes, no. Well done, I would even say. I would that say was, so. That was reading the room. It was reading the room. <laughs> and the reason why I say Capcom might have regretted it is because, unfortunately, she's in the first fourth of the game, if that's Right, <laughs> And she's <Yeah>. gone. <laughs> but you know what? It still worked. It still worked. It still worked. And it's pretty notable that uh, Capcom has been very upfront of being like, we're going to be doing more of this character. Don't worry. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Mercenaries mode coming soon. Featuring uh-huh. Lady Dimitrisk. Yep. Going to be playable. You want, If you want these tall statues of, of the tall lady, we will make sure you can have them. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. We're on this. So yeah, there was a lot of focus on that, as well as the, the supernatural element of, hey, there's now going to be werewolves in this. What's the yeah. deal with this? We've never had werewolves here. And finally, they also wanted to introduce some ambiguity and perhaps a darker side to a longtime favorite of the Resident Evil series, a one Chris Redfield. There was a lot of talk that was made of, is Chris going to be evil in this game, or is he going to have evil intentions? I'm going to spoil this right now. No, he doesn't. No, no, no. But Capcom tried her best, tried their best to convince us that it was going to be that case. <laughs> like, you see that, and what you should be, the mystery you should be asking is, why is Chris acting like he's evil now when he's obviously not? Mm-hmm. And the reasons why he's acting evil are going to be so incredibly stupid. Of course they are, because it's Resident Evil. It is. I will be very upfront. I have a lot less respect for this game's plot than the previous game. I still think it's, a, yeah. I still think the story's all right, and it's still fun in its own way. Right. But I have a lot less respect for it. It it is very much stupid. It is very stupid. And we keep bringing this up in a very Resident Evil 4 sort of way. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, uh, have you ever played Resident Evil 8, by the way? I have not. um, I was actually just today watching someone play a bit of it on a stream. Oh, nice. Uh, Just coincidentally. Hmm. But 
I I have not played it myself. Yeah, not fair. I this I have not either. Uh, I really want it now though. Yeah, it seems really great. Which speaking of, we should talk about the plot of Resident yes. Evil Eight. Let's do that. So Resident Evil 8 takes place three years after the events of Resident Evil 7. In, and I believe it does take place straight up in 2020, actually. Yeah, no, I think it does okay. take up straight place like 2020. Mm-hmm. Now, it's been three years. Ethan and Mia are now married, and they have a six-year-old daughter named Rosemary. Now, it turns out that for their safety uh, and to get them away from Connections, who does not show up at all in this game, uh, Chris Redfield and the BSAA were like, hey, how about you just hang out in this house in Eastern Europe? And so they do. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And the game starts out with um, Mia reading this bedtime story to Rosemary. That's like this really elaborate Coraline-esque animated opening. Like, mm-hmm. looks incredibly nice about like this little girl who gets like gifts from like a demon bat and death and a demon fish but then she takes a little bit too much and gets trapped in a mirror for taking too many gifts i wonder if any of these characters are gonna be referenced anyways i wonder wonder if this is set up for anything very specific i wonder so ethan's like do you gotta read her that story that's really really creepy and mia's like ah she's not gonna remember any of this and she she should know the like local culture and whatnot and ethan's like "Uh, what Ethan's like, we're not raising her here. Yeah, this is strange. We're going to leave as soon as we can. Yeah, we're just on witness protection. I don't know what's going on here. And so they have like a big dumb fight about raising uh, Rosemary and whatnot. And apparently this has been going on for like a year or so. Just them constantly having fights. So Ethan's like, "Ah, Mm. whatever, another fight, I guess. So he goes and puts uh, Rosemary to bed. And like, they go down to continue their fight and whatnot. When just out of nowhere... Uh, Mia gets shot in the chest. Oh. And she's like, huh. Like, she, she's really nonchalant about this. She's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then she gets just lit up with a bunch of bullets. Like, just <laughs> people, like, just basically special forces just load a bunch of shots into her. And, like, Ethan's like, what, what the hell? And then walks in old man Chris Redfield. Uh, he's like, hey, Ethan. Looks down at Mia's body. Puts five more bullets into her head. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> and Ethan's okay. like, Chris, what the hell? This is weird. You're like our family friend. You you gave me military training. What's going on? And he's like, you don't need to know that. You just need to come with us. Grab her, ba- grab the baby. Like soldiers grab the baby. You're coming with us. And Ethan's like, what the? F- no, I'm not. You killed my wife. <laughs> He's, and Chris is like, I don't have time for this. Knock him out. So knock him out. And, you know, we see like a flashback where like Mia is like very clearly like takes a phone call. It's like clearly like about like the baby and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then she gets like really worried. It's like, I, I, got, I can't tell Ethan about this. It might ruin our marriage. And so like Ethan like kind of dreams about that. And he wakes up to a blown up military convoy. How does Ethan have a flat, have a dream about something she didn't tell him? Oh, he, he was in a room with her. Like, oh. And he just, like, overhears her or something like that. Okay. So Ethan wakes up in the snow outside of a blown military convoy with everyone but him dead. And no baby. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. And so he's like, well, that's okay. So he runs through the woods only to end up outside of a medieval-looking Eastern European village. with like, And there's, like, people, like, displayed, like, 
dead and like in ritualistic manners and whatnot. And he's like, Jesus, really weird. <laughs> Eastern Europe. Oh boy. Oh boy. So Ethan like walks into this like random villager's house who like immediately like, points a shotgun at him. He's like, oh hey, whoa, I'm all right. I'm not I'm not a bad guy. And he's like, all right, get in here. Get keep quiet. And like you just hear like things on the roof and like walking around. And eventually like a hand grabs him and just rips the old man out and just murders him. So Ethan like just takes his shotgun and just like runs and gets assaulted by a bunch of wolfmen. Cool. <laughs> yeah. One of the wolfmen bites his hand off. <laughs> well part of it anyway. See like he loses two fingers and whatnot. But okay. But in typical Ethan fashion, he just bandages it up and just pours liquid on it. And he's like, I yeah. guess this will be fine. <laughs> sure. So Ethan shotguns the wolfman to death. And like eventually hears like a distress call for like any survivors to come to like this house on the other side of the village. And um, in a very Resident Evil 4 manner, like he gets completely overrun by more wolfmen who are called Lycan. Who like are about to murder mm-hmm. him before they get a signal uh, to like leave and go somewhere else. So they all run away. So... Ethan wanders through the village and he runs into this mysterious old woman who's basically the entire thing there is the cackle and just tell Ethan what's going on. She's like, I must be Rosa's father. And she's like, oh, uh, yeah. Do you know where she is? It's like, oh, she's been kidnapped by an evil woman named Mother Miranda. She's evil. And then crackles and wanders <laughs> off. <laughs> Ethan's like, uh, well, I guess I better go find her. So eventually he catches up to that house where all the survivors of the village are gathering. He meets this a young woman named Elena and her injured father. Uh, like, Elena's like, hey, we gotta take this guy in, you know. You know, it could be really bad. And, like, the village is like, well, he might be infected. And Lisa's like, listen, I don't know what's going on. I'm just trying to find my daughter. Like, we gotta tend to Elena's injured dad. You know, I... Do, what, what is this village anyways? I've never seen this village before. <laughs> mm-hmm. But before he gets some answers, uh, Elena's father turns into a lichen and starts murdering everybody. Uh, uh. Also knocks over a lantern, setting the building on fire. So, like, Ethan and Elena escape up into the rafters. Um, like, but unfortunately, Elena ends up falling through the rafters to her death into a fireball, essentially. <laughs> well, this whole scene served no purpose. It really didn't. Although it does end with Ethan just, like, being like... Why does everyone keep dying on me? <laughs> <laughs> and so Ethan like catches a glimpse of Mother Miranda, who's like this tall, slender woman with weird crow wings that like just grow out her back and retract. And it turns mm. out she's able to summon like mold tentacles. We know this mm. because she murders a villager with one of them. And she like looks at Ethan and is like, oh hey. Walks behind a tree, disappears. <laughs> and so Ethan is like, oh boy. So he goes to follow Miranda, instead just runs into the old woman again, who cackles about how everyone died, and they deserved it. All the villagers are dead. (laughs) And then she cackles and walks off. So Ethan is like, where am I supposed to go to find Miranda? And like, the old woman's like, oh, there's this castle in the center of town. She's there. Go see her. So Ethan makes his way to the castle, and like, he just runs into this weird man with a wide-brimmed hat, like, Kind of like very long gray hair uh, and a goatee and sunglasses. And he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? I can control gravity and metal stuff. I have magneto powers. Oh. And Ethan's like, that's cool. What are you going to do with those? He's like, I'm going to cover you in metal. (laughs) (laughs) And Ethan's like, can you not do? Ah, falls over. (laughs) 
So he ends up being dragged into the castle and is brought before Mother Miranda, surrounded by her four lieutenants. Mm. Lady Demetresque, who we've talked about previously, a very tall woman in a white gown, pale gray skin. And like tall, I mean, she's like nine foot tall. Yeah, like tall. Mm. Yeah, she's very glamorous in a very like 1930s, 1940s, like golden age of Hollywood wave with mm-hmm. like you know short curly hair and whatnot and constantly smoking a cigarette. Uh, we see the man we described earlier with wide brim hat. His name is Heisenberg. Uh, another uh, weird doll that's dressed up in like a like it's like really like a, a marionette that's uh, has like a wedding dress on uh, by mm-hmm. the name of Benevito. And finally, a weird mutated grotesque man like gnome creature by the name of Moreau. And they're all arguing with Lady Miranda about who they should. Like, who should kill Ethan? Now, Miranda decides that Heisenberg should be able to kill him because he has this cool thing where he's going to put him in a death trap. And so he does exactly that. He tells Ethan, you have 10 seconds to run, and I'm going to send the lichens after you. (laughs) So Ethan does that, runs into the castle catacombs, and eventually gets cornered by a death trap that's like literally a wall of like spinning blades that are going to grind him up. But luckily for him, he finds a little alcove that he just kind of hides in, and he's just barely able to keep from dying so ethan escapes the castle and he runs into an incredibly obese merchant by the name of the duke yeah so the duke is basically like the merchant from resident evil 4 he's there to sell you stuff Mm -hmm. but he also is a guy who occasionally points ethan in the right direction he's like literally the one person who has no ulterior motive in this entire game Mostly because he doesn't know why he's there, what his purpose is. He's just like, I got this carriage, I got these guns, and you seem like a nice guy. Let's be friends. Yeah. So he tells them that, hey, yeah, uh, you probably should go to this other castle because I heard that Rosemary was there, and it's just that happens to be Lady Demetresca's personal manner. You might be able to find something about that there. Not really sure, but seems like a lead. And Ethan's like, cool, thanks, dude. So, oh, I almost missed an incredibly important thing. So he get, mm-hmm. Ethan gets this vial that is just this yellow vial and it's covered in dust. And, and Ethan is like, yeah, you know, I kind of just have this thing now. It's kind of weird. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, are, you're looking for your child, right? And Ethan's like, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's your child. He's like, what? It's like, huh? it's like yeah, this is one of four parts of your child. And he like wipes away the dust and whatnot. And it's like, and it's like Rose's head. And he's like, he obviously is not happy about this. Mm. Ethan is very, very upset because now his daughter's dead. <laughs> yeah. But Duke's like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. No, no, she's actually fine. You see, if you get all four parts back, you can actually reconstitute her into a baby. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And uh, yeah, one of the parts is going to be at Lady Demetresca's place. So. He ends up going to Lady Demetresca's personal manor, and once he enters it, he is immediately accosted by three young women who are, like, all bug people? Like, they basically yeah. form in and out of bugs? So they immediately just grab him and just, like, very rapidly move into, through the manor to Lady Demetresca, who's like, oh, hey, how you doing? By the way, I'm kind of a vampire. I'm gonna cut open your hand to drink your blood. Ah, uh, it's a little stale. That's a little weird. Anyways... Well, we're going to kill you. But first, I'm going to just put you on hooks and hang you up while I go talk to Mother Miranda to get the okay to do that. So 
Ethan has hooks put through his hands, and he's like just hung up into the into the rafters. And as everyone leaves, he decides to just rip himself off of there, like literally rips his hands off. Mm-hmm. He liquids them back together, and is like, "All right, I just need to find. I need to find my baby. Need to find my baby." So Ethan makes his way through the manor. Like he runs into one of the daughters, and like the like pretty much anything else in this game, she's basically invincible. Mm-hmm. Except it turns out when exposed to the cold, the daughters, like the bugs that make up, make up the daughters, like end up like freezing over and stopping the regenerative powers. So he actually mm-hmm. managed to kill one of them. And he's like, oh, huh. I see. I have a way to stop them. This is great. Useful. Mm-hmm. And like, Ethan like, ends up like sneaking into like a, a Lady Demetrius's like room, like right. She's giving like a phone call to Mother Miranda. Mm-hmm. To inform her, like, oh yeah, Ethan has escaped. It's a really good scene too because she like makes like a really good pouty face. Like, I do not want to make this call. This is gonna, right. this is gonna be bad. And during this time, like, she's also learned that one of her daughters has died, and so she's like, hey, I want really want to murder him. Like, Miranda's like, no, no, you can't murder him yet. No, there's there's something special about this guy. I want to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. And so Demetresque is like, okay, fine. Hangs up phone. I'm gonna totally kill him. Yep. <laughs> But not before Ethan basically murders the rest of the daughters and also finds out that while Lady Demetresque is not like the daughters, she's not a bug person and mm-hmm. so can't be defeated by cold. There is a dagger that one of the villagers made that apparently can stop her regenerative powers. Uh, he failed to assassinate her with it, but now the dagger is just like hidden in one of the towers that are around the manor. Mm. So Ethan grabs it, like is immediately accosted by Lady Demetresque and who's like, like literally like stabs him through the chest and is like mm. yep guess you're dead huh and Ethan's like not likely stabs her in stabs her in the stomach with a knife which causes her to just mutate into this weird lady chimera <laughs> who then starts flying around and is just trying to murder Ethan but with a liberal application of shotgun shells she eventually dies and with her death he gets another piece of rose he's like great fantastic uh, it should also be pointed out that at a, at one point during that whole part, uh, Lady Dimitrisque actually just straight up cut off Ethan's hand. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right. I almost again. forgot about that. He does. And she then does. he just shoved it back onto his wrist and poured healing liquid on it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of started working again. Yeah, it completely works. He literally just sticks it back in to his arm, healing liquids it, and he just starts moving it again. And he does not question this at all. <laughs> he does not question it. And it's like, if it was not clear before that mm-hmm. there's something going on with the healing liquid crap, mm-hmm. like, okay, obviously there's something, but Ethan never questions it. He never questions it. Yeah, it's this, it's good. This is, this is why I, I have the stance that, like, Ethan is both the most indestructible person Resident Evil has also ever had. Mm-hmm. But also the most stupid and incompetent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the only reason he's still alive is because he apparently can't die. Yeah. Yeah, he is he is himself literally indestructible, it seems. Apparently. Um, also, he has just some of the best one-liners <laughs> ever. He really does. Like, he kills one of the bug daughters, and his his quip is, I'm really sick of bugs. <laughs> yeah, they, 
Ethan channels such hard Leon S. Kennedy energy throughout this game. Yeah. He is so lame, but it is such an endearing way. Oh, he's so lame. <laughs> like, he he has no cleverness. There is none. There is, there is not a clever thing about him. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. It, they do such a good job of making such a weird everyman that you can play as. Yeah. It's so good. So, Ethan gets out of the manor and he like he runs to the crazy old lady again who once again cackles and it's like hey rose is going to be sacrificed and ethan's like for what she's like for a ceremony cackle cackle but hey if you uh were to spill the blood of the four lords you probably could stop all that and also reconstitute rose funny huh anyways so ethan like ends up like in this like center area that has like like different places where you can place all the different vials uh that's also has the umbrella logo on it for some reason. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and conveniently has different paths all to the different areas where all the different four lords are. One thing I do have to say about the structure of this game, this is a video game ass game. Oh, it sure is. <laughs> where it's like Resident Evil 7 wasn't really quite like that. This game is straight up yeah. like, listen, you are playing a video game and we're going to make yeah, you well there's... aware of it. There's four areas you need to beat the boss of each so you can get the key item from beating the boss and bring them back to the to the hub mm. so you can go fight the final boss. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty great. It's great. So Ethan's like, well, I guess I'll go to Benevito's corner of the village next. Mm. And so he goes there, but, but not before like, running to a grave that reveals that like a young woman had died there at the age of 13, a member of the Benevito family. And he's like, oh, that's really strange. I'm not going to question this. <laughs> Anyways, let's go into this house. Goes in the house. Lights immediately shut off. All of his weapons are taken away. And he finds the place. And when the lights come on, he finds the place is filled with dolls and other mannequins. And like he has mm. to do like a weird like autopsy on one of them. Where he gets like weird recordings of Bia, who at first is like excited about being pregnant. And then like another recording where she's like, oh, no, there's something weird with Rosemary. And oh, no, if Ethan were to find out, what would he do? And he's like, and Ethan does not question any of this. He's like, huh, okay then. And then, like, he gets a strange, like, phone call as well from Mia. He's like, hey, listen, I have something to tell you, but I don't want you to hate me for it. But I had to do it, okay? And Ethan's like, okay, well, what, what, it, what is it? Phone hangs up. He's like, oh, that's strange. Lights go out again. It's like, <laughs> that's even stranger. Then a giant mutated baby slug monster that's constantly crying shows up and starts chasing him around the house. And Ethan's cool. like, that's incredibly weird. <laughs> it's really creepy, too. Yeah. Because you have to like, hide him all around the room and whatnot in order to get on this elevator and not get caught by, once again, the creepy crawling giant slug baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Ethan gets on the elevator, gets out of there, and like eventually like runs into Bedevito, who's once again the small little mannequin doll wearing a wedding dress and she's like oh you should come find me and play and like so like he keeps having like these weird hallucinations um where he has to like find like the specific doll and stab it in the head and like eventually he does that enough times that it turns out he's been stabbing a weird psychic lady this entire time and eventually kills her and with that gets a new body part (laughs) oh yeah yeah, he's just this, okay. just like twenty something year old woman, I guess, it's just uh, or something. But yeah, it's like, oh, huh. 
I figured it was going to be ghosts or something, considering the 13-year-old girl's grave outside, but I guess not. Anyways. Yep, nope. Okay, it's just a psychic lady. Just a psychic lady. Yeah, so, you know, Ethan, like, leaves and then, like, starts to head over to Moreau's place, which is basically surrounded by this giant lake and it's a shack. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, he gets in there and he sees, like, Ro in there. And Ro, like, he grabs, like, Rosemary's body part. And Ro's like, don't do that. Please don't take it. Everyone's going to make fun of me. (laughs) And Ethan's like, I don't care if you have my daughter. He's like, but, but, don't you want to listen to my tragic tale? And Ethan's like, not really. He's like, well, you listened long enough because now you're trapped by mucus. It turns out uh, he has the power to, like, basically cause, like, weird, like, green algae or mucus walls. God, this guy's the worst. He is the worst. Uh, <laughs> it's also very ineffective because Ethan's like, I'm just going to walk around the mucus wall. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Moreau also like gloats that Bran is already starting the ceremony. By the way, what are you what are you gonna do about that? And Ethan's like, "Well, I have the body parts. She can't." <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and Moreau's like, Ugh. "Well, what if I push you into the lake and turn into a giant fish monster?" And Ethan's like, "Oh, yeah, that's pretty it's bad. Better. Yeah, huh. yeah. You probably should have opened with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually kind of surprising." So, like, Ethan, like, kind of gets washed into the lake and manages to just barely escape giant fish monster. And, like, he wanders to this, like, random shack and sees, like, a bunch of, like, weird, like, surveillance equipment. He's like, huh, this must be some sort of lab. And then he looks over and he sees Chris. It's Chris Redfield. He's like, yeah, he just couldn't stay out of this, Ethan, huh? <laughs> but but the, couldn't stay out of it. You brought him into this and killed his wife. Yeah, right? <laughs> Which is exactly what Ethan says. <laughs> And Chris is like, listen, you just need to stay out of our way. We are handling things right now. And he's like, what are you handling? Why don't you just tell me? He's like, you wouldn't understand, Ethan. And then just leaves. <laughs> yeah, it's done. I wish Leon was here. I wish Leon was here. They could... <laughs> the dumb, clueless energy they both would have. It would be great. Yeah, it would be awesome. So Ethan ends up getting dragged back into the lake by Moreau, but, like, using, like, a series of dams and, and whatnot, he's able to, like, drain the water from the lake, which puts Moreau on the land, makes him vulnerable, and Ethan manages to kill him. So Ethan is then contacted by Heisenberg, who's like, hey, you're doing really good. You seem really useful. Listen, I hate Mother Miranda just as much as you do. If you can come mm-hmm. and get my baby flask, which is the last baby flask you need, you know, Maybe we could, like, team up and, I don't know, stop Miranda. How's that sound? Anyways, come and get my baby flask. Time to go fight Magneto to get his baby flask. Yep, time to fight Magneto. Now, before Ethan can get there, though, he finds, like, this strange jar containing a parasite called a Kato. And he's like, Mm -hmm. huh, what's up with that? And it turns out, after reading some notes, the Kato were made by Mother Miranda as a way to bring somebody back. Not sure who, but the bring somebody back. But it turns out it was ineffective, and instead, all it did was make werewolf people. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So that's fun. So they they had to explain the werewolf, <laughs> right? Uh, so Ethan goes through like this bunch of ruins and whatnot, and like manages to like collect uh like the final rosemary piece. And like once he does that, though, he gets a weird flashback to Miranda, like at the crash site, like. It turns out that she was there the entire time. And it's like, oh, man, what's going on with that? And, like, you see her walking off. And so, like, mm-hmm. 
It's like, oh man, she must have been there the entire time. But how? So, like, Ethan goes, like, he puts all the baby parts back into the weird altar with the umbrella logo. And then, like, he's like, Heisenberg's like, yeah, come and meet me now. We gotta talk. I'm at my factory. I have an abandoned factory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Ethan does that. He goes and, like, uh, talks to Heisenberg. He's like, hey, man, you're really cool. Sit in this chair next to this pit. <laughs> so listen i hate mother miranda because she did really dumb stuff to us using the odicado and others and like other stuff in order to transform us to like really weird things and mm-hmm. i really really hate that because all she's been trying to do is to just bring back her own family and she sees us as failures and she's just going to kill us eventually so we need to strike back at her first i just want to kill her and here this is how I'm going to do it. We're going to use your baby. Because your baby, it turns out, is super powerful. She's a super powerful baby. And using your super powerful baby, we're going to murder Miranda. Now, he doesn't explain how the baby is super powerful. <laughs> and Ethan's also like, you're not going to use my baby as a weapon. That's, no, we're not, right. we're not going to do that. And so Heisenberg's like... I feel like he should have held off on that part until he understa- understood what was super powerful about the baby yeah i would have had a lot of questions first like why maybe milk some information first yeah like why baby powerful <laughs> why and how baby kill power lady yeah and why does power lady want to use baby in ceremony there's a lot of questions here that are not being answered <laughs> but once again eth is not a person who asks questions no no he's like uh i i just want to go home mm-hmm. man Give me my baby parts. Give me my baby parts. And so Heisenberg's like, well, okay then. Kicks him into pit. Yeah. And it turns out down there there's a big monster with a turbo prop for a chest who chases him around, right? To cut him up with the turbo prop. Sure. Yeah. That might as well happen. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Heisenberg's basically been making a weird mechanical army down there using bioweapons with like parts jammed into him in order to create an army capable of taking down Miranda. And so Ethan, like, keeps, like, running through there, like, learns more about the Kado Parasite here. Um, mm-hmm. And also learns from Heisenberg's, like, notes that Brand is only keeping the four lords around, like, just to keep the villagers in line. Like, and apparently that now that she's about to do her ceremony, like, she had all the villagers murdered because they're no longer useful to her. And that's mm-hmm. how he knows that the four lords are probably going to be next. He also finds out that there's something called the Nicomycete. And that apparently it's very, very powerful, lives underneath the village, and also allows Miranda to transform into anyone. Okay. <laughs> so Ethan learns all this, is like, huh, weird. And so he keeps like running around the bowels of his factory, and he ends up running into Chris Redfield. So like he points a gun at Chris, and Chris is just like punches the gun away. He's like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> And Ethan's like, why did you kill Mia? And Chris is like, I didn't kill Mia, dipshit. <laughs> Mia was impersonated by Miranda. She had been kidnapped months before. And she's impersonating oh, yeah. Mia in order to kidnap Rosemary. And Chris is like, I figured putting five bolts into her head would have done the job, but apparently it didn't. And so I'm here to rectify that mistake. And it's like, buddy, Chris, you should... You've... You have fought so many bioweapons before. You should have known. You need to, you need yeah, to burn you that body. <laughs> yeah, so the whole thing is that Mia was, uh, was when she was a corpse, 
she basically pretended to be one and then woke up on mm-hmm. the convoy and then murdered everybody and took baby. Okay. You didn't secure the corpse or something? Yeah, right? Like, I got one of my best soldiers on it. It'll be fine. We also learned during this time that Chris is no longer with the BSAA. He's with a separate company called Houndwolf. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently he's at odds with the BSAA over something. Yeah, so... Chris is like, listen, I'm setting all these explosives in this factory. I've made a weird battle tank that's made up of like components that are like a metal polymer that uh, Heisenberg can't control. So uh, if you... When did he do this? I don't know. <laughs> I guess while he was waiting for Ethan, he got bored. But yeah, it has like two machine guns on it and like a weird chainsaw arm, I think. And like, he's like, Hey, if you want to take on Heisenberg, you're going to have to use this. And so Ethan's like, okay, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go topside. I'm going to kill Heisenberg. And Chris is like, yeah, good man. We're totally on the same page now. We are friends again. Okay, Chris. (laughs) Okay, dude. Yeah, right? (laughs) So Ethan gets back up to the surface with his new battle tank. Counters Heisenberg, who's like, all right, I'm just gonna surround myself with metal. I'm just gonna wreck you, man. And yeah. and as they're fighting, Chris blows up the factory, destroying Heisenberg's army. And so Heisenberg is pissed, and he's like, that boulder punching asshole. Actual line from him, uh-huh. <laughs> which is like, I on, on one hand, it's kind of a lame line, but on the other hand, I'm glad Chris now finally has a reputation as being somebody who just wrecks stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Finally, word got out that you don't mess with Chris Redfield. So a big, giant, dumb battle happens where, like, weird storm tornadoes are caused by Heisenberg and, like, (laughs) a lot of bulls are fired at him. And eventually he kills Heisenberg. So Ethan's like, all right, good. They're all dead. I can go after Miranda now. And Chris is like, no, you do not go after Miranda. She will murder you. And Ethan's like, no, I have to finish this now. Ethan. And Dude, like an entire task force mm-hmm. with a lot of guns mm-hmm. can do anything. What are you going to do? Exactly. And you have easily the most competent person in this entire universe who like built you a battle tank out of scraps. Like he, He's going to be up there soon. You should let him handle this. But to be fair, Ethan's not going to get a chance because Ethan then shows up. And she's like, hey, how's it going? Oh, by the way, I'm actually Miranda. I'm going to transform to her now. Isn't that crazy? Right. Oh, wow. I can't believe the thing happened again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, listen, you want me to explain everything from Resident Evil 7 Resident Evil 8 right now? Yeah, I guess. And Ethan's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, hey, listen, so you remember that girl, Evelyn? Yeah, so I was trying to recreate my daughter, and it turns out she was a failure. That kind of sucks. Anyways, mm. it turns out your daughter, Rose, is actually perfect. It turns out she is perfect to bring back my daughter. Because you see, my daughter, she died in the Spanish influenza pandemic back in, uh, back in 1919 when she was 10 years old. Oh, by the way, I'm like 100 years old. Okay, sure. And, you know, she's going to be the perfect vessel for that. I will sacrifice her to the Black God. And what? then she will be reborn as my daughter, and everything will be great. Thanks for killing the Four Lords. I needed to do that at some point, and you helped me out with that. Oh, by the way, I'm also the Cackling Gold Woman. Funny, huh? Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah. 
Oh, you want to know about the, the Black God and all that? Uh, yes, actually, please. How about I rip out your heart instead? Yeah, okay. And so that's exactly what she does. And so as Ethan lays dying, she's uh-huh. like, well... Dying. Yeah, quote. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all know what's going to happen at this point. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm going to go do the ceremony now. See you later, Ethan. I guess you weren't special. And so Ethan supposedly dies. And so now we cut to Chris Redfield, who's now back with his team. Very, very upset that Ethan is dead. His, and his team's like, man, you really should have told Ethan our entire plan from the beginning. Yeah, probably should have. Yeah, and Chris is like, yeah, nah, you're right. That's kind of my B on that one. Well, I got this, uh, I got this assault rifle and a lot of ammo. We're going to go into that village, and we're going to go directly for Miranda and murder her. And so now, the next part of the game is you playing as Chris. And at a real change of pace, <laughs> you are basically just gunning down lichens left and right as Chris Redfield is just smoking everything. Also, at this point, Chris is dressed up like in his like black tactical gear, smoking a cigarette, because uh-huh. he's just solid fucking snake now. I feel like they should have just done this to begin with. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, because, man, the amount of things Chris kills during this entire sequence is amazing. <laughs> so, like, it turns out, like, the castle where Miranda's at has now been just taken over by a bunch of mole tentacles that are just stretching up. I, it seems as high as the Empire State Building. It's incredibly large. And so Chris is like, yeah, I need to, I need to get there and put a stop to this shit. And so he starts making his way there. Uh, he also sees that like a BSAA team also rides is like fast roping in, which Chris is like really displeased at about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's less displeased when he sees that they all get immediately murdered by mold tentacles and lichens. And so, what's funny though is that Chris like reveals like this is not the first giant mold colony they fought. Okay. Yeah. They've apparently doing this for multiple times. Like I think like once in Africa as well. And also, mm. uh, the mold that was the Baker house uh, originated from here, just you know, to further confirm right. Miranda's story. Right. So Chris like makes his way underneath the castle, and he finds the heart of everything. The Black God itself, which is the Megamycete. So it turns out, when Miranda's daughter died in 1919, mm-hmm. she was like, I'm going to kill myself out of grief and wandered into these weird catacombs in order to do so. Now, when she got down there, she saw this giant blob that she calls the Black God, the Megamycete, and when she touched mm-hmm. it, she saw the memories of oh, a ton of things, of all these villagers and everything, everyone who's ever been buried in this village, including his daughter, her daughter. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, wait, my daughter was assimilated by this thing. Oh, wait, I now have mold powers from this. What if I used this mold and did a bunch of experiments and maybe I can cause my daughter to be reborn because its essence is in the mold? And that's what basically set off this entire game. Uh-huh. So Chris like eventually finds her lab and whatnot, and we actually he like finds notes from like Oswald Spencer, the founder of Umbrella. Oh my god. <laughs> now in a shocking amount of restraint, all Oz- How- how does she have a lab? Isn't she just a dude? <laughs> I mean, she's had a hundred years to, like, learn some biology, yeah, I, I guess. guess. Yeah, I guess you figure out the scientific method as you go. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, she's an old school scientist that way, where she's just pouring random things into other things <laughs> and seeing what happens. 
What happens if I use the mold on this? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I made a parasite. Weird. It makes vo- it makes werewolves? Sure. Hmm. Yeah, okay. That's cool, I that guess. That doesn't seem useful, but I'll just put that over here. Oh, I made a vampire lady somehow? I made Magneto? <laughs> hmm. What's re- it's really funny how she makes all these, like, really cool things and also weird fish man. Yeah. And it's not like, man, these things are cool. She's like, this is a failure. They- these are not my daughters. <laughs> right. So... Yeah, uh, she finds notes from Spencer, and it turns out just he ended up like getting lost in East Europe, and like ended up like getting like really badly wounded. Had to recuperate in her village, and it turns out evil recognized evil. They became best friends, and she's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." There's like a similar mold colony that's down in Africa. Maybe you should check that out. And like apparently, he never really found the mold colony, but he did find a progenitor virus down there. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. So, surprising amount of restraint. He has nothing to actually do with this game. He's just like, yeah, eh, just pass through the village at one point. Although Chris is like, Oswald Spencer, really? <laughs> <laughs> so he also finds Mia there as well. He's like, Mia, you're alive. And she's very pissed. She's like, Chris, what, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Where's my husband? What's going on? And Chris is like, listen, listen, Mia, I'm sorry. Ethan's dead. She's like, no, he's not. He's special. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris is like, what? So we cut back to Ethan, who wakes up in limbo. Mia's <laughs> <laughs> just like, uh, did you try putting his heart back in his chest and pouring a bunch of healing juice on it? <laughs> he did not. And it turns out he doesn't need that. Oh, Because good. he runs into Evelyn in limbo, who she's like, hey, man, you're dead. And he's like... No, I'm not dead. I have to fight Rosemary. She's like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. You've been dead for a long time. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? Don't you feel (laughs) strange that you got cut up and all that, the Baker house, and you somehow lived through all that? It's like, but I had the healing liquid. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, no, no, when you first encountered Jack Baker, he killed you. Yeah, so it turns out that when he got his face stomped in, uh, mm. His face got stomped and he died. Oh, okay. But since he was attacked by Mia, he got infected by the mold. Mm-hmm. Now, somehow, for some reason or another, Evelyn wasn't able to control him. Never really explained why. But because of that, he basically became like a mold boy. And since he's a mold boy, uh, and mold can basically I- imitate anything else, like original Ethan died. A mold copy of him showed up in his place, and that's why he's able to just stick his hand on and it heals. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's also why Rosemary is special, because uh, it turns out that when Mia and him conceived Rosemary, she's half Mm -hmm. mold person. I don't know how that works. Yahoo Answers doesn't exist anymore, so I can't ask them. Mm -hmm. I just presume that that's just how it happens. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's also why she's able to be cut up in multiple pieces and survive. Because it's like, oh, you just stick mm. them back together, it's fine. She's yeah, a- it's just a, it's a mold baby. Yeah. So Ethan wakes up from all this in the Duke's weird carriage. And the Duke's like, oh, hey, yeah, I found you. Uh, boy, yeah, Mother Miranda, she's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And Ethan's like, what exactly are you, Duke? And he's like, to be honest, I have no clue. He's like, also, by the way, I figured he wanted to go and fight Mother Miranda. So we're already on her way, on our way to her. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that you, you've gotten it. Yep, you're completely correct about that. Good going, man. 
And he's, he's like, by the way, do you really want to fight her? Uh, you're literally falling apart now. And it's just like, when is his hands? It's like starting to turn black. And he's like, well, yeah, I still want to do this. And so Duke's like, yeah, no, gotcha, man. Stupid of me to ask. Anyways, we'll just, um, we'll just get you there. And uh, you just go and get into this castle and fight her. Which is exactly what he does. So he goes uh, and meets up with uh, Miranda, who is his like, reconstituted Rosemary. And we see her sacrifice her to the black goop. And so she like grabs a new baby out of it. And she's like, finally, my daughter's reborn. But it turns out it's still just Rosemary. And she's like, ah, um, this is not how this was supposed to go. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't. I feel like she needed a more thorough process for this to work than yeah. just put the, put the mold baby in the mold goop. Yeah, no, somehow absorbed the, the mold essence of my dead 10-year-old daughter. Right, from amongst the hundreds of essences in the mold goop? Yeah, yeah, you would think, you figure she would have thought about that a little bit more, but no. Like, did you isolate your daughter's mold soul? Nope. She's just like, if I put, the, if I put mold baby in more mold, more, new mold baby will show up. My daughter was a baby, so her soul is a baby soul. Mm-hmm. So the mold baby, the baby mold soul, will go into the mold baby, mm-hmm. and that, that's how it work, right? Yeah, that's that's how babies work. That's how babies work. Oh no, this is not how babies work. Mm. And so, like Miranda, like turns around and sees Ethan, and is like, "Oh, you're here, you idiot! I'm just trying to make my daughter come back. You're ruining everything. How dare you be here?" And it's like just monologuing just long enough for for Chris to show up and shoot her in the chest. Nice. Yeah, and she's like, listen, buddy, <laughs> if this didn't work the first time. <laughs> Why does no one have incendiary weapons? Right. You know it's a mold problem. Uh-huh. So you burn just the mold. Burn it. Throw bleach on it. Do something else. Something. Mold is a known quantity. Yeah, you could stop the mold. What about that weird neurotoxin Ethan made? There's so many options. So Miranda just takes this opportunity to basically become like a giant tree lady. Sure. And uh, immediately starts, you know, trying to murder Ethan uh, very unsuccessfully. Because once again, Mm. Ethan is basically invincible at this point. Yeah. So eventually, like, Ethan manages to, like, murder him just just enough that she calcifies and completely disintegrates. And so Chris grabs uh, Rosemary, about to leave, when unfortunately his hand basically just falls apart. It calcifies and falls apart as well. And so, yeah. Mm. And he basically can't move anymore. And so Chris shows up and is like, oh, hey, I put a bomb on the Megamycete. We're going to blow it up. And it's, it's a really large explosion. It's basically like a nuke. We need to get out of here. And, uh, and he th- it's like, I'm dying, Chris. He's like, no, you're not. You're not dying on me. Nobody ever dies on Chris Redfield. <laughs> what, Chris, a lot of people do. And ignore all those. And you're not, though. And so you basically stagger out of there uh, very, very slowly. Though eventually, Ethan's like, hey, listen, just take my baby. Leave. I'll take the detonator and I'll make sure it blows up. And Chris is like, no, Ethan! And then, like, a mold barrier, like, forms between the two. <laughs> and so Chris is like, ah, shit. Gets out of there, gets on the helicopter, 
and Ethan just like walks toward the Megamycete, which is now starting to mutate even more and like actively is trying to mm. attack Ethan. But right before it can, he detonates it, blowing himself up, blowing the entire village up, and destroying the Megamycete for good. Ish. Mm. So Chris like observes this entire thing on on the helicopter. And like Mia's like, hey, where's my husband? And Chris is like, he's gone. It's like dramatically smacks the side of the helicopter. He's like, please sit down. Do not talk to me. I am not happy. <laughs> so like one of his um, subordinates though calls him over. He's like, hey, Captain, you gotta see this. It's a BSAA soldier. Like pulls off its helmet. And it's like, turns out he's a bioweapon. And so Chris is like, I knew it. I knew they were up to something. And the game ends with Chris being like, we're going to Europe. We're going to BSWA headquarters in Europe. Europe again, huh? <laughs> He's got one option. He's got one move. <laughs> <laughs> I will shoot it if it doesn't work. I'm going to Europe. <laughs> and that's how the game ends. <laughs> I, oh God. I, okay. Okay. <laughs> is, is there any more to eight? I guess there the is. DLC for 8, okay. Has that come out yet? The DLC hasn't come out. That's coming out in December. But uh, the first okay. thing is that there is a post-credit scene where we see a young woman heading somewhere on a bus. And she has, like, the book from the start of the game, which is called The Book of Shadows. Mm. She heads to a cemetery, lays some flowers on a grave, and, grave, and it turns out it's Ethan's grave, and this girl is Rose. Now, she's immediately, like, has, like, some government agents, like, get a hold of her because like hey listen you can't just wander off like mm -hmm. that we still got some more tests to do uh one of them calls her evelyn which she gets incredibly angry about and like mm. <laughs> like said government agent has called like off a bunch of snipers who are about to take her down because she's not surprisingly she's a powerful mold lady right yeah and also we also get this insinuation that chris is very heavily involved in her life because she's like listen i can do things to you that chris doesn't know about <laughs> <laughs> that not even he knows Oof. and so they begin to drive off and like the agent's like not too upset about this all told because he, he realizes mm -hmm. like okay that was kind of a crash joke sorry about that right and he tells us like hey you know you do really remind me a lot of your dad she's like yeah i know and that's how the game ends although apparently okay. they are stopped by somebody at the very end of the cutscene so is it is it Ada? Probably. I'm expecting Ada to show back up at some point. But yeah. So yeah, that's the end of Resident Evil Eight. At this point, there is going to be a a remixed edition coming out later this year, the Gold Edition, that's going to have VR mm -hmm. support and whatnot, and an extra DLC where you play as Rose as he touches a piece of the Megamycete that's been recovered, and then for some reason goes into like a weird psychic world where she meets a copy of herself. It's not really okay. sure what's going to go on with that, but I guess we'll find out soon. And of course, they're undoubtedly making Resident Evil Nine at this point. We'll, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're very definitive about this being the end of Ethan's story, so Ethan supposedly he's not going to show up anymore. Uh, but of course, we'll see about that. This is Capcom. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. And of course, we'll see how long it takes before they start pulling back in characters such as you know Leon S. Kennedy and Ada Wong mm -hmm. and whatnot, because. <laughs> while capcom is good with the soft reboot they also are capcom and they will they will find a way to tie in all the they lore. will and i mean honestly at this point there's no reason not to mm -hmm. like 
The thing about Resident Evil, as I think we have proven over the course of these four episodes, is that its story is very stupid. Very stupid, yes. And even if you, like, reboot it, there is no chance that it won't get stupid at some point. So you're really not doing yourself any favors by foregoing the fan service and the continuity for the sake of avoiding stupid, because you're not gonna. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're not. You're not at all. So you just might as well. You might as well just lean into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, like, you, you want to be smart about being stupid. You don't want to be Resident Evil 6. Because that was doing stupid stupidly. <laughs> but you want to be, like... I'm, I'm, I'm really searching for an example in this series <laughs> of being stupid smartly. Ugh. <sighs> Sure, there's something in Resident Evil 4 where they were stupid smart. Yeah, probably Ada, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, Capcom is definitely capable of being stupid smart. Like, a lot of the Dead Rising series is them being stupid smart, for instance. Right. Uh, they're certainly capable of, like, I mean, they often do not take themselves seriously. Yes. Yeah. Capcom's problem always is that they will usually overstretch themselves with the lore and get a little bit too crazy, which, like, they did with Six, right? Right, yeah, that was that was too much. Yeah, like by the time like revelations happened and we had you know Aqua cities getting melted, it was like okay, if you went too far, you need to pull it back, which they did. Yes. Yeah. So, and I I think a general guiding rule of thumb is you don't want more than two characters. You don't. No. You go past two characters and you start getting too many plot lines and too many contrivances and too many motivations. Mm-hmm. Like, one or two is the sweet spot. It is. And honestly, my hope for, like, a Resident Evil 9 at this point is that they kind of do a similar thing to 7 and 8. Like, continue the story. Maybe mm-hmm. have, like, Ada come back, certainly. But, like, have the main character be somebody new. And then just right. have, like, Chris Redfield there being old man grumpy. Like, right. have him be, like, the one central focusing character that kind of ties everything together. Right. So, I would... I, I think I would make the game with Rose as the primary protagonist, mm-hmm. probably. And then, I guess depending on how the DLC goes, make her the primary protagonist and then make her counterpart be Claire. Mm. Yeah, and I could do that. Surprise, Claire is looking for Chris and she recruits Rose to go help find Chris. And then they do. And then, oh, the the mold umbrella has the mold we got to stop umbrella from using the mold the the mold made umbrella blue into umbrella red and now we have to stop him to make yeah. um, umbrella blue again yeah yeah there we go that works there we go resident evil 9 coming yeah, out th- done. three three years from now it'll be great <laughs> and and then as uh, uh, evelyn was in the megamycee and right before the explosion went off she put herself and Ethan into one of the BSAA bioweapon soldiers, and now they live in that person now. <laughs> okay, see, that's terrible, and I, I thoroughly <laughs> expect Capcom to do that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But it's not, it's not like they're, it's not like that's a, a bad, the new bad guy, like the Ethan's just that guy now. Yeah, he's just there. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Ah, uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's Resident Evil 8. Now, once again, 
There's that DLC that's going to be coming out in December. And of course, they are undoubtedly working on a Resident Evil 9 because why wouldn't they be? Yes. But uh, we would be a little remiss to also mention that the Netflix series has come out during this time. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy. I love it. It is, um, let's call it uh, universally panned (laughs) right now. I love that everyone is like, bro, look at this stupid crap. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's Resident Evil. There's You're looking at Resident Evil, man. Yeah, there's there was this uh there was this really good Twitter post where somebody posted that um about like one of the scientists who just like I guess gets infected and just starts seeing some like uh Dialupa. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, this is really weird. This is not what Resident Evil is. It's like, yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. They didn't turn into like a tentacle or fifteen eyed <laughs> monster at the end of it. So yeah, it's way too grounded. Yeah, they really really missed it. Yeah, and it's, oh, so okay. So it, we should point out that in uh, in the Netflix series, um, one amazing actor, Lance Reddick, mm-hmm. plays uh, Albert Wesker, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, you see, this series is a canonical sequel to Resident to the Resident Evil series, uh, particularly to Five, mm-hmm. in which Wesker is kind of still alive because apparently he had another secret lab in the Alkali Mo- Mountains mm-hmm. in which he cloned himself. Yep, I just read that right now. Uh, not only just one clone, but apparently three clones. Yes, he cloned himself three times. Uh, but for some reason, these clones are not evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're nice. Um, and at the just just to go into it, uh, Lance Reddick is a black man, mm-hmm. and this is the reason why uh, the Wesker in the series is black. Yeah, because he is a clone, not the original Albert Wesker. Now you might be thinking, wait, wouldn't a clone also be white? Yes. Yeah, it would be, but eh. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, we want Lance Reddick to play this character. <laughs> we want you do honestly. Yeah, you uh, do. The reason yes. I'm going to watch this show eventually is because I want to see Lance Reddick play mm-hmm. Wesker. But, um, but that this also leads to a tweet I saw, which was apparently at one point in the show. Spoilers. Uh, he puts on his costume from Resident Evil Five. And the the tweet I saw was saying Lance Reddick just became Blade, to which I he responded, does. "Yeah, that's because Albert Wesker just became White Blade." <laughs> and when you have a black actor reprise the costume of White Blade, you just get Blade. You know, there's no line in this in in this entire show that's good. Is you know. The motherfucker's just trying to ice skate uphill, you know? Yeah. No, but there is a close one, which is someone dealing with bio problems says, am I going to have to quarantine? (laughs) To which Albert Wesker says, no, this isn't like COVID. Oh, God. To which people said, that's stupid. And I went, yeah, that's a line that would be in Resident Evil. Uh Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, the three closed names are Al, Bert, and Albie. Bert and Albert, Albie, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. You people are looking at this show, point putting it in clown makeup, and I'm like, yeah, because it's built off of a clown game series. 
This is incredibly faithful. Mm. I don't know what you people wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, if, if this show makes a mistake, it's that it doesn't go far enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I was really debating whether or not I was going to include this as, as like a secret part five, mm-hmm. but there's probably too much to watch before next week. But Pro- we- probably, yeah. We might in a future episode yeah. revisit. We almost undoubtedly like- will. But yes, I just reading the synopsis really quickly. It's like, yeah, this is this doesn't go far enough. It doesn't go far enough. Yeah. It goes far, no, it- but it doesn't go far enough. Like the the fact that Al- that Wesker made clones, mm-hmm. no. The, what actually should have happened is they should have found another Wesker and injected him with viruses extracted from Albert Wesker's tissue, and he became Albert Wesker. No, he became two Weskers in that moment. <laughs> he became two Weskers. <laughs> Too many Weskers. <laughs> Too many Weskers. Honestly, the most surprising thing about this is, like, honestly, the fact that they don't have anybody but Wesker in this so far that I'm looking. Like, yeah. there's no, no... You figure Chris Redfield would have heard there's another Wesker and been like, I you gotta deal thought. with this. Yeah, you would have thought. You would have thought Chris or, I don't know, Barry would show up. Yeah. Somebody? Oh, my God. Yeah, we are definitely going to be covering this at some point. Yeah. But uh, that it will not be next week. For now, this is going to be the end of our our series on Resident Evil. There will be definitely be more Resident Evil content on this podcast because we still got those movies, but... Yeah, oh boy. But yeah, that's that's probably going to do it for us. Alex, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, just one. If, um, if Barry had been at all involved in Resident Evil 7, it wouldn't have happened because Evelyn would have washed up on shore and been like, be my family, and Barry would have been like, yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Sounds like, awesome. Come on in. I like adopting random weird daughters. Let's do this. You, you could. Oh, you got you got psychic mold. That's cool. Yeah, but I, this this one girl's slowly turning into a Wesker, so it's it's fine. You can feel all fit yeah. right in. Yeah, Barry really by the end of this is just running a weird orphanage. Kind of. That's yeah. going to soon turn into the X Men. That should be the plot of Resident Evil Nine. I like how that, that we just casually throw that out. And that's just part of Resident Evil. Like that's not that doesn't that barely even rates. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not even like that doesn't come up. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh my! But yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us. Alex. Thank you for going on this journey through Resident Evil with me. Of course. And if y'all like episodes like this and want to listen to say the past three parts of this, for instance. You should go to mm-hmm. ftp.podbean.com or f- search for Fallen Through Plot Holes on your podcast service of choice. Leave a like, comment, subscribe, review, all that dumb stuff, notification bells, whatever. I don't care. Anyways, <laughs> take care, everybody. Take care.